Trent Cotney and John Kenny are dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal business and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law and Mortar. Hi, this is Trent Cotney. I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Law and Mortar. As always, I've got John Kenny with me. John, how are you doing? Doing great. Glad to be here today. Yeah, we've got uh, a lot to discuss as usual. Um, a lot of very active legislation has been happening and, you know, some contractors may have missed some of these key things. Um, one of the first things that, that I kind of want to talk about, John, is um, there was a, a recent, it's called the Forced Labor Protection Act, and it's based on, you guys might have heard this in, in the news, um, there's a region of China, the, the Waigar region, where they are uh, targeting these people. I believe they're uh, Muslim origin or, or something along those lines where they are forcing them into camps and it's the equivalent of slave labor. Um, the U.S. has put out this act to prevent uh, uh, companies from shipping over products that were made in that region. And here's the key part or components of products that were made in that region. So um, most of it deals with clothing and electronics and textiles, but guess what's included? silica so yes it affects clay tile it affects mortar cement a lot of other things with that contains silica and we are concerned i guess that this is going to impact the supply chain even further uh you know we recently put out a, a, a white paper on it kind of discussing uh all those issues if anybody's interested i'm happy to kind of send it your way but John, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think the last thing we need is is more impact on the supply chain. But, you know, what's what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it we're in un, we're in definitely in uncharted water right now. Um, you know, and you're correct. China, no matter how we want to look at them from a political standpoint, non-political standpoint, whatever it is, they're a huge player in the marketplace. And when you um, not that I'm saying you want to have somebody doing the wrong thing. I get all that. But, yeah, I don't know how much more we can take as, as a world. This is not even a U.S. issue anymore. I know we focus on a lot of our own problems, which we should. But when you look at this on a bigger scale, you talk about being off the axis. This world is off its axis big time right now. So I think it is going to have a major effect and extend it out even further. Yeah, you know, I, I think so. And it's it's. Key thing is, is for anybody listening, just make sure that you're prepared and that you, you know, we've talked in past uh, podcasts about the importance of, you know, uh, making sure that you're operationally safe, making sure that you uh, are watching your accounts receivable, that you're doing whatever you can to just have an efficient business because this is, it's very uncertain. You know, we know, I look at the market volatility, the stock market, and if that's any indication, you know, uh, that along with inflation, I'm not sure what's to come, but um, another another thing that kind of hit the news uh, today actually was the uh, infrastructure plan. There's a big announcement. This has been in the works for a long time, but you know one of the biggest problems that we've seen lately is with air travel uh, and air freight. It's been a big issue over the Fourth of July holiday. Two thousand plus flights were canceled. I know I'm about to fly up to Chicago, so I'm a little concerned myself. I'm going to make that flight, but. Uh, you know, so one of the part of this infrastructure bill was a significant amount of money that was going to go towards improvements of airports. So you can anticipate that our you know contractors that are listening to this, there's going to be more airport work available, uh, expansions of terminals, uh, runways, etc. Uh, but there's always a catch, John, and the catch is is that with this federal work, 
There's going to be Davis-Bacon wage requirements. Uh, there's going to be uh, E-Verify. There's going to be a bigger push towards uh, prevailing wage and union-type work. Um, but, uh, you know, could be some opportunities out there for contractors. So, um, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, we need it. Infrastructure is horrible. Um, I'm the same way flying now. Um, you know, you, you dread when you have to get a connecting flight because you can pretty much guarantee you're only going to make it to the connecting airport and you're going to sit there. So, and the direct flights are getting harder and harder to get. They're cutting back on the amount of them. Um, so, yeah, we need some improvements, but like anything else, there is, the biggest part of this is even we still don't have shovels in the ground, right? So, by the time this starts and by the time you actually see any kind of relief, what are we talking, three, five, ten years? I don't know, probably ten. So, it's, it should be interesting how it all plays out, but I think contractors will, you know, look, it is what it is, prevailing wage, Davis-Bacon. I know I worked with it on the other side. I've worked union. I've done it all. Uh, I don't think that should be a deterrent. I think that's just, you got to remember, you got to pay it, pay it. And if you can get your bids, bid it right and go get some work. I think that's the important thing. Get the work and get it done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because I'm scratching my head as well because it's great that we got more work, but uh, do we have the, the talent and the skilled labor to do it? And I know you and I were talking, you know, a lot of your customers are, are, complaining about lack of skilled labor, you know, what, um, what do you recommend as far as, as, you know, looking for talent and kind of dealing with that issue? Well, you know, again, you know, I heard a comment, I'm not even going to get into who I heard it from in the government, um, you know, when all I did into politics, but I was saying, well, once the American people are done with uh, collecting all the, you know, stimulus money checks that the, the labor problem will take care of itself, especially in construction. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's nothing further from the truth than that. No one's lining up to get into construction. And if you happen to be somebody laying on a couch, the last thing you're going to want to do is jump up and jump into construction. So I personally don't think there's that many people left laying on the couch. I think people have disappeared in the gig economy. You can sell on eBay. You can sell on, you know, all, I don't even, Etsy, all the different sites. I think people become more entrepreneurial and they're doing that with second jobs. That being said, taking it all out of there, I also don't see... The high school children coming out of high school and jumping into construction because I think we missed the boat on that. I think we're doing a better job as a construction industry starting to make that happen, but I think that's probably a generation away from seeing effects. So the problem is, where are we really at? We're in a rotating cycle of the same amount of people jumping from one industry to another industry because there's no one else. And that's what I'm seeing with my clients. They're losing not people... Um, going to other roofing contractors per se, they're going to other industries within construction because they're maybe making more money. So bottom line is you're, I hate to say this folks, we're going to pay more for the talent that is out there. And, you know, you're going to have to put some really serious in-house training. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, you're going to have to spend money hiring people and, and training them yourselves. Now, that's easier said than done, but there's not going to be any national training program out there that is going to flood our industry. It's just not going to happen. But the one thing I'll add, Trent, before I kick it back over, it's not only at the skilled labor. We're starting to see a flux of people leaving in estimating field, operational field. Not that it didn't happen, but it's happening at a greater rate. Safety, people are chasing the almighty dollar right now because they know they can. 
So, you, you know, there's a lot of things you need to stay on top of, not only recruitment, but you really got to stay on top of your retainage policy within your companies. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's that's some sage advice. You know, it is, it's a tough market out there. And um, one of the things contractors are going to have to continue to do is try to appeal to the next generation, you know, through technology, through um, opportunity, through advancement, you know, whatever it might be. Um, the old ways of recruiting don't work anymore, right? No. It, it, you got to mix it up and you got to be able to um, show a, a something that's valuable right now. You know, what can they do right now that is going to be of value? You know, charting out their future and everything else is great and that may win some over, but Really, you know, in a, in, a, in a time where we're used to having instantaneous gratification, you got to be able to show how can this impact somebody's life immediately. And that's usually through technology or the ability to plan or design or be creative or something along those lines. So, John, we talked about a lot of different things, but now is, I know what is your favorite time. Uh, we have a ton of back. Yeah, we got a ton of backlog questions, but we got one here recently. Let's see if I can find it. That I thought was timely. So I'm going to skip ahead of some people. So I apologize if we're doing that, but I think this one is, is worth it. This one is from Mike. Um, Mike has never gone to an FRSA trade show and knows that FRSA's 100th uh, Expo, 100th Anniversary Expo in Daytona, is a couple of weeks away and wants to know what recommendations do we have uh, for a first-time person going to the FRSA Expo. So, John, I'll let you start, and then I'll, I'll take Well, I, I think if this is your first-time Expo, Mike, you probably couldn't have picked a better one. Um, there should be a, a, an amazing amount of special things going on. I think you're going to see a lot of pride in the industry because it's a 100-year celebration. Um, first-time, uh, you know, tips, plan, plan your plan your day out. There, there's a lot of things going on. The educational seminars are in the morning. <clears throat> then you've got your trade show following up after that. What I always find effective if you're, I don't know if you're going with anybody or you're going alone. If you're going with somebody, put put a plan together, pair up. And even if you're alone, go see who you want to see first on the first day and go back the second day for what you missed. And if you, this is three, three days now, this is a special one this year. You have three full days. You can always use your Friday to go back and, and talk to people that you have interest in. But there's a ton of education. If first time, take advantage of that. Um, get some of that education and, and uh, seminars in in the morning. And uh, and what I really recommend is have a good time. There's, it should be really good over there with the uh, being the hundredth. Yeah, the FRSA Expo is huge. So really recommend that you you go and you do a little bit of pre planning. Um, definitely go to the welcome reception at the start. I think that's worth going to. A lot of great uh, luncheons. There's a history luncheon I think on Wednesday business luncheon on Thursday, and then they've got the big uh, dinner and installation for the new officers Thursday night. Um, I know, John, you and I are speaking a bunch uh, throughout the entire time. So, you know, stop by and say hi to us there. And then we'll be out on the trade show floor. Uh, I think our booth is uh, 8.30, so feel free to stop by. John, I know you'll be uh, out there on the trade show as, uh, floor I'll be as well. I'll on the Java booth if anybody wants yep. to come catch me there. So looking forward to it. And um I would say to our listeners, uh, then this question from Mike, please say hello to us. There's nothing Trent and I enjoy more than uh, catching up with you, with you all over at these trade shows. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it's definitely uh, great to be able to see people and, you know, uh, especially our, the loyal listeners that 
that uh, listen to the podcast. So yeah, stop by, say hi. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys there. Um, John, I think we've wrapped it up for this week. Uh, stay tuned next week for another episode of Law and Water. If you got any questions for me, feel free to reach out. I'm Trent Cotney. You can reach me at trent.cotney at arlaw.com. John, how can they get you? They can get me at uh, jkenny at cottonyconsulting.com. Great. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care now.